If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Many of you, including myself when I first saw it, have wondered who that angel was in the new Diablo 4 trailer that we got just a couple of weeks ago. As hinted at last week, I want to talk about this angel. His name is Inarius, and he has one hell of a story. Inarius is what they may call in Diablo terms an angel gone rogue. It's a great way to put it. He's formerly an archangel of the high heavens, and it was by his actions that both the Nephilim, you and me, and the world of Sanctuary were created. Now, during the Great Conflict, Inarius served as an advisor to the Angrius Council. I don't think I'm saying that right, but it's okay. Anyway, at the time, he served under the command of Tyriel. We all know Tyriel. That is who, in fact, I thought we were seeing in that trailer before it got going. Inarius was highly regarded by his kin, a.k.a. his fellow angels, for all his crazy successes on the battlefield, admired by all. He even faced the lesser evil Asmodan. He did this a couple of times at least. They call me a hero. I slew demons beyond count. I won battles and broke sieges, but it availed me nothing. I know that this war can have no victor, only an eternity of revenge, pride, and hatred. Tyriel does not understand. He cannot see beyond the glory of battle. In time, he may, but that day is not yet here. According to Heroes of the Storm, Asmodan actually killed Inarius, as much as you can kill any entity in the world of Diablo, I suppose. After eons of time, though, Inarius came to the conclusion that this conflict, which he never really agreed with, was unjust, and that his part in it had to come to an end, so he tried to make Tyriel see his point of view, but the Archangel Tyriel would not have any of that and would not be swayed. So he decided he would do all he could to gather those that were perhaps like him and end this unjust war once and for all. During a battle... Inarius led a charge from the outpost of the Pandemonium Fortress, and it did not go well. I was struck down in the third charge. I lay upon the ground, only to wake in chains. I did not know that demons took prisoners. I babbled like a fool about my dreams of escaping this war. My captor freed me and said that we would meet again. Her name was Lilith, daughter of Mephisto. Uh-oh, daughter of hatred. So Lilith, like Inarius was kind of fed up with the war and mainly her father's hatred and how it sort of pushed her around. So she, seeing this in common with Inarius, they joined together to rebel against the status quo. I mean, they even started to fall for each other, which we'll get more to in a minute. And throughout all of that, they pledged themselves to each other and vowed to escape the conflict entirely. Eventually, like-minded followers joined them and they became what most would call the renegades. Lilith is me, but a fire and flame. I could never have felt this way about a demon while I was mired in the endless war. The strain holds us prisoner to what we have been told to believe. She and I have made plans. We will bring others to our cause, and together we will escape. 
So Anarius, he used the World Stone. He stole that with Lilith from the Pandemonium Fortress. There's a whole story, but the, the short of it is they figured out a way to get in with the help of the rest of the Renegades. They got out of there. Nobody knew who took it and nobody knew where it went. So using the World Stone that he stole, he shaped Mount Erit. Uh, it's kind of a protective shell around the World Stone itself. That's how it started. And from there, the rest of Sanctuary would be formed out of that. And he knew at this point that he would never be welcome in heaven again after what he had done. After this, though, a period of peace emerged. Again, nobody knows where the stone is. Nobody knows where Anarius went off to. And as the angels and demons worked the world stoned to form the, the world of sanctuary, Anarius secretly fooled all the other renegades and tied the world stone's power entirely to himself, which had this effect. I mean, he essentially had all of his powers enhanced to crazy levels, unimaginable levels, and made him the strongest single being in the entirety of Sanctuary. And basically that made him the de, de, the de facto leader. That was just going to be the way it was. He would rule everybody. But his love at this point had grown for Lilith and continued to grow and blossom, really. Can I truly love a demon? When I gave the world stone to Lilith, I knew I'd been right to seek her all along. We have created a new world. We can live here in peace, away from war. I have named this world Sanctuary. Inarius remained a little uneasy, though, after this, knowing that this would not last and he would be called to account for his sins eventually. And eventually Lilith and Inarius mated and they, they had kids, they had offspring. These were the Nephilim, me and you, we the player. And that initial generation or two, way too powerful, more powerful than many of the many of the renegades, including uh, Lilith and some of the demons. This caused all sorts of dissent and rage amongst the renegades who drove Lilith to great levels of anger. The idea was being floated around that all Nephilim had to be destroyed, completely wiped out via genocide or some method, which Inarius considered. Anyway, this whole thought, she just thought that was insane. She lost her mind and she killed all the renegades, both angel and demon equally, all gone, dead. So Inarius at this point has no choice but to destroy her, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't bring himself to do it. And he had sworn earlier... We skipped over this bit, but he'd sworn to her that he would never harm her, and he held to his word, so he didn't do it. But instead, he banished her to the void. Think like, you know, DC Universe Phantom Zone. And then he turns around and he attunes the World Stone to cause the powers of the Nephilim, his children, to diminish over time. Not all at once, but over time. And that's when he simply disappears. There's no other record of the leader or of Anarius to be found after this point. Many said he walked among his children, unrecognized as an ordinary man. Entirely possible, I suppose. When I see Lilith sleeping at my side, I'm filled with dark thoughts. My sins are real, and I will surely pay for them. We live in peace for now, but it cannot last. They will come for me. But what of my great deeds? When I'm in torment, who will celebrate those? Who will remember Inarius? So you have to ask the question, how is he flying or why is he flying high again in Sanctuary in Diablo 4? Why is he up there looking all angelly with his big wings and his whatnot? We don't know. We're going to have to wait to find out. Quick side note, we believe that Rathma appears in Diablo 4's game cinematic and therefore the game. The game reveal cinematic, the one we saw in 2019, shows an individual summoning Lilith into Sanctuary and it's awesome. Anyway, cinematic file labels the summoner as being Rathma. So we think that's him. Uh, Rathma, for a little education here, uh, he was born Lenarian, but changed his name to Rathma, uh, is the first generation Nephilim and tutor to the first necromancer of his namesake's order, the Priest of Rathma, which you've heard about a bunch in the game or games. I think he's going to be big trouble. Mark my words. 
the first son of this unholy union? What can go wrong? Scott, is there any way you can explain what we get in each of the pre-order tiers? I only play Hearthstone and Diablo. What is the best option to buy? Or should I wait for day one to buy as I won't use any bonuses for any other Blizzard titles? Thanks. Josh in Indiana. Josh in Indiana, thank you for leaving us that text. He did that at 801-471-0462. You can be like him and do that as well. So the standard edition includes the game, obviously. Anarius's Wings and Anarius Murloc Pet in Diablo 3. So some Diablo 3 bonuses, which I think is a little weird. No one's going to be playing D3 when they can play D4. It's fine, though. Uh, Amalgam of Rage mount in World of Warcraft. So a new mount in Warcraft for those players. And the Umber-Winged Darkness Cosmetics set in Diablo Immortal, the mobile game. Uh, so that's your standard. That's everything. In your middle edition or your deluxe digital deluxe edition, you get the uh, all the aforementioned stuff, plus up to four days early access to Diablo 4's launch. So you'll be playing that before anybody else will. Uh, you will be getting seasonal, or sorry, seasonal pass unlocks for Diablo 4. So you will essentially without paying for it you just get the new battle pass that's part of the game mostly intended for post game or end game if i if my guesses are correct we really actually don't know fully anyway how much that'll affect you during the campaign if you're even playing the campaign uh temptation mount in diablo 4 which is uh if you have forgotten there are mounts in diablo 4 so that's cool and the Hellborn Carapace Mount Armor in Diablo 4 as well. So there's your middle of the road. Here's your Ultimate Edition, which is going to cost you a pretty chunk of change. Anarius Wings and all that stuff all the way up until four days access. You get a version of the Seasonal Pass, they're calling it, Seasonal Battle Pass, that includes a premium uh, unlock. So you're going to get 20 tier skips and a cosmetic. If you're familiar with battle passes in Fortnite or a million other games, you'll know kind of how this works. You can basically pay to skip the line and get all the benefits without having to, to grind them. That's going to be true here. Uh, so you'll get to skip 20 tiers and get everything in those tiers as well as a extra cosmetic. Temptation mount, as we mentioned, the Hellborn Carapace thing and Wings of the Creator emote in Diablo 4. Now, what is Scott going to do? he's going to get the regular edition. Why? Because none of this sounds that interesting to me. I mean, uh, the battle pass being free, fine. But when that comes around for me to want to get that anyway, I uh, I would pay the 10 bucks or whatever it is anyway, right? So there's no reason for me to, to get that that early. I'm not planning on even touching it until I can kind of just play the game. Again, that may change because maybe the way the game plays and stuff is going to affect that. I, I don't know. This is a weird thing about this. But yeah, I think I'm going just the basic tier. Uh, the bigger question is, where am I getting it? And we'll answer that in a minute with another one of your texts. Hello, Scott. This is Shelly in New York. I had a question about Diablo on consoles versus the PC. Which should I get? I have a Series X and a PlayStation 5, but I also have a good computer to play on. What are you planning on doing? Thanks, Shelly. Thank you, Shelly, for your text. And my answer is, uh, I, I've been going back and forth about where I'll start. But the beauty about this generation of Diablo, or one of them, is cross-progression. So no matter where you are and where you're playing, your progress will be tracked and uh, uh, you know used across platforms. So whatever progress you make on a console will also carry over to your PC play. The PC version will also support controller support, which 3 did not have on the PC. The only controller versions of the game were console versions of the game and include a role and some other stuff. Also, you could play offline on consoles, which was interesting. But anyway, the, uh, the new stuff is online all the time and all versions will cross 
progress or uh, uh, progression is crossplay. So I don't know if they've said if it's crossplay or just cross saves or you know save progression. Uh, maybe they haven't. I I missed it, but I don't know if they've said whether I will be able to group up with people on other platforms. It doesn't seem to doesn't seem like it'd matter that much. It'd be fine, right? They probably do let you do that. Why wouldn't they? Uh, if you're going to do all this cross stuff, why wouldn't you do that part too? But maybe it's just a PC pool and a console pool. I don't know. And there's no news yet of a of a version of this game for the Nintendo Switch. I think that thing maybe is not up to snuff to play the game, is my guess. It's starting to get pretty old. Need a new Nintendo console because I really liked D3 on the on the Switch. It was a good time. But I think 4 is a little too beefy for what that thing is capable of. So to answer your question, my plan is I believe I'm going to start on my couch with my butt on my couch, making a nice indent on a cushion, playing on a console. I really like how Diablo 3 played on console. I thought it was awesome. Made it feel like a brand new game to me. And I thought they did an amazing job. So I am going to start there. And I think I'll probably fork out the money for two standard editions, one on Battle.net on PC and, and the Series X version. I could do PlayStation 5. I don't have to decide. But um, one of those versions on console, and then I'll go back and forth because there are times where I want to knock out some stuff while I'm sitting at a desk. And there's times where I want to, you know, relax and get a couple hours in on a, on a couch. And I really like that I can do that. Overwatch 2 did this as well this year. Can't think of any other Blizzard games that do it. I guess there aren't. Those are the only two. But crossplay, cross progression, kind of my jam. So I'm, I'm here for it. Hello. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on if Deckard Kane might return in Diablo 4. I don't think I've heard anything about it, and wondered if you had the scoop. All my best, Trey. Okay, so there are rumors that the voice actor who plays Deckard Kane. oh, I forgot his name, hold on, he's called this show before, um, or he was part of the show because we did a little custom thing that him and John did once. Uh, let me find his name so I don't feel stupid about this. Anyway, um, there's some rumors that he has been called in. Oh, Michael Goff, or Go- Go- Goach, Gow, I forget how you say it. G-O-U-G-H. Anyway, um, that there the rumors that he may be uh, called in again, like he may be talking about reprising the role. Uh, as you know, I think pretty much anything in Diablo, the world of Diablo is kind of retconnable or, or uh, resurrectable. If you need to, if you really need to get help, help, I'm kill, being killed by butterfly uh, boy back. I think you can do it. Uh, you want your story to justify it, obviously. But, um, you know, he's iconic. He is, he's the... I don't know. What do you call him? He's the patriarch, but like he's the mascot kind of of the game series. Don't you think? I mean, he's the guy you think of. It's Deckard Kane. Stay a while and listen. That whole thing. You know, Mario for Mario games, uh, Sonic for Sonic games, Master Chief for Halo, Deckard Kane. I mean, you got a lot of other cool characters. Don't get me wrong, but I think Deckard Kane is and deserves to be in a lot of ways the mascot for the Diablo series. So if they brought him back, I would not be at all sad. Now, some people at home are going, don't do it. You got to leave what's dead, dead or whatever. They may do that. I don't know. But uh, but we'll have to see. Wow, that voice actor is 66 years old now. And uh, I can't believe that's crazy to me. I thought he was younger or I thought he was older. So when he was doing the original Deckard Kane back in 2000, he'd have been, what, 40 or something? Anyway, he does a great old man when he's not an old man is what I'm saying. So that's what I know. I don't know anything else. I don't think it's been confirmed. And certainly they haven't leaked anything about it. There's been nothing in the trailers. There's been nothing but dodges when they've been asked by reporters or, you know, PR interviews, that sort of thing. And they have just sort of 
skirted around it. But let's go ahead and make a prediction. Scott's going to say, yes, Deckard Cain makes some kind of appearance. Maybe he is a full-on demon now. And and I don't know. I don't know what the use case is. I have zero prediction in that regard. But will he make some form of return? Yes. Will it be full characterization? Maybe not. It could just be retrospect stuff. You know, like when you walked through Diablo 3 later in the game when he was no longer there, you were still picking up his, his logs and his diaries and stuff. And he was still talking right? That's not quite like having him in there. It's still dead, but maybe that's what they do here. They, they figure out a way to just give us some old records and we're like, ah, old record from old Deckard, you know? Okay, some of you may have thought I was going to skip right over this because we talked about editions and we didn't talk about a collector's edition, which Blizzard's famous for making for almost all their games. And this is no different, except it is different this time around anyway. I have, I don't know how many, seven or eight collector's editions of Blizzard games behind me over here on the wall, one of them being Diablo 3. And you'd say, well, sure, uh, you know, Diablo 4, a boxed product, of course, they're going to do something. Well, they decided to do it a little bit different. They're basically giving you a collector's box. Well, that's what they're calling it. A limited collector's box for Diablo 4. This is not a collector's edition like you would normally get in the past, although it has a lot of similarities. But the one chief difference is no game included, no code, no discs, no nothing. And a lot of players are upset about that. Partly because Blizzard themselves keeps calling it either accidentally or on purpose or just hasn't gotten their head around the new ty- or the new uh, wording for it. But they keep calling it a collector's edition also. And I think it's it's just confusing a little bit on the sales front. But it's a box of loot. You get things like the following. The Candle of Creation, a cloth map of cloth, rather, map of Sanctuary. Diablo 4 collector's edition art book. See, again, they got collector's edition in the description. The Occult Mouse Pad, Pin of the Herodrum. And uh, two matted fine art print sizes, 18.54 inches and 10.7 inches. Or, uh, sorry, not. They're two prints, but they're the size of 18 by 10. That's what I'm trying to say. Two different prints that size. Anyway, it doesn't include a copy of the game. So it's really important to remember that. And as a result, this loot box is cheaper than the old collector's editions would be. So for those, you might pay $159 for them. This one you're paying $100 for, so you can spend your $59, $69, whatever, on the game. And also, no matter what platform you're getting it on, which makes this release unique, because 3 only hit PCs, that was the start. PCs and Mac, and that was it. So there was only one kind of code to include, or one kind of way to get the game, or have discs, or whatever. But in this case, you've got a, a launch, a global launch on multiple platforms. Why would they want to go through all the headache of having all these separate codes, dealing with the issues of people scalping them, putting them on eBay, hackers and all sorts of other fraud that happens around the stuff that just naturally happens. Instead, they're like, you know what? We'll give you all the loot minus the price of the game. And then you go buy the game wherever you want it. Also, you don't have to wait for this box to get there. If they're late, it's fine because you can still play the game. Your box will get there. I see. I'm not a negative on this. I understand the confusion. It's a paradigm shift. Paradigm shifts are made to be understood. <laughs> Sometimes they take longer than other times, but I think in this particular case, it's just not a, it's a big, not, it's a big, not big deal. Does that make sense? The fact that the stuff is still there for you to get is great. Still limited. Great. Just given to you in a slightly different way. And I don't blame them for doing it this way. And I'm hundred percent fine getting it this way. So there's my answer on that. One other thing I wanted to hit, there's not much in the way of news for immortal or three right now. 
So four is kind of all the talk. So we don't have much to talk about that this uh, this week. But I did want to do, uh, or at least mention a couple of quotes from some of the hands-on that the game has had so far. Diablo 4 got into some pretty exclusive hands. And uh, those people have been um, encouraged to say what they thought of it. I think a lot of it even streamed. I didn't see any of the streams I meant to. But anyway, I would like to read some of these because they got me super excited. GameSpot, who got exclusive access, said, or I guess it's not that exclusive. It's it's exclusive in that there's a handful of outlets and influencers and otherwise that got a hold of it. Okay, so fair enough. This is from Alessandro Barbosa. He said this at GameSpot. Diablo 4 is quick to differentiate itself from its predecessors in almost every way while intelligently iterating on a new series staples on new series staples, rather, uh, with ideas that put freedom of play at the center. So that's very exciting. IGN says, uh, this is Ryan McCaffrey. He says, rip to my free time. That's a good thing to hear. And finally, PC Gamer says this, Blizzard's long-awaited sequel is extraordinarily satisfying to play within minutes, says Tyler Culp. So I don't know. Those are just a few quotes, and I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't going to be people who don't like it for whatever reason. But man, me likey what I'm hearing. And I think you are too. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, we'll have another show next Monday. Don't forget the Diablo show at gmail.com. If you'd like to email us, or if you want to send texts like we read today, 801-471-0462. You can also leave a voicemail if you'd rather happy to play your calls. Just got to dig through them and find the ones that are for the show. So I will do that and play those next week. Frogpants.com slash Diablo. If you're looking for details around the show, how to support it, where to get it, all that. If you have a podcast player from wherever you get your podcast, doesn't matter where, just search for The Diablo Show and you'll get it. It's all out there. All right. So go grab it. Get there today. I'm at Scott Johnson on Twitter. You can also find the show at The Diablo Show on Twitter. That's going to do it for me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with more. See you then. (laughs) 